and welcome to My First Dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast that helps game masters learn new games and make each one better than the last. This season, we are diving into a game of time travel and cosmic horror. It is a game that was designed by our very own Elliot Davis, who is a producer of another game you might know from this very show, Something is Wrong with the Chickens. He has also written Abominations, Enemy vs. Lover, and is a writer on the 20-sided newsletter. Elliot, good to have you here. <laughs> it's great to be here. I'm always here uh, these days, but uh, it's nice to get one of the uh, the classic Brian Flaherty intro treatments. It's fun. Isn't it fun? Isn't yeah. it great? It's been a while. That's kind of how we started, you know, like just about a year ago um, was mm-hmm. me coming on and getting it as a stranger. And now I'm here as a producer. Since then, you've put out a couple more games, including Project Echo. What's that? You know, I was going to ask the same thing. Why don't you tell me what? <laughs> g- give me a logline. What is Project Echo? Project Echo is a solo time travel game. It's a solo journaling game, but with a twist in that you play it across the pages of a full year planner. So it is a game in which you are an agent tasked with tracking down this mysterious time consuming entity and you take that adventure through a planner, traveling forwards and backwards in time, and sometimes getting caught somewhere in between. It is extremely cool. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you should definitely check out some of the artwork. And and, and the, the layout is pretty cool. And the who layout. Did who, layout? Who did that layout? Man, who did Brian that? Brian did that layout. Did that and he, layout. And he did a great job. Brian did the layout. He did such what, what a what a <laughs> lovely boy he is. So, Elliot, Project Echo is a solo journaling game. And for anyone out there who doesn't know what a solo TTRPG would look like, they're used to playing, you know, game master player. What is a solo tabletop role-playing game? So a solo RPG often takes the form of a solo journaling game. It's not the only form of solo RPG. There are some that are more crunchy and emulate some typical tabletop things. But what Project Echo falls into the umbrella of is a solo journaling game. It has its own twist but the principles still apply. And what a solo journaling game offers you is some kind of gamified, randomized way, systematic way of experiencing a series of prompts that you respond to in order to create a story, tell a story, create an experience broadly. Somebody might disagree with that definition. That might not apply to everybody who is a solo journaling game, but roughly there is some kind of systematic, often randomized way to discover a set of prompts that help you tell a story. This is a solo role-playing game, so we need a solo uh, person to play it. And that someone is none other than our very own Abby Hepworth. Abby, how's it going? Hey. Oh my god, hey. Oh my god, hi. Oh my god, Long time no see, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> Splash. Splash. Wait, no. <laughs> 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 no, not Splash. Abby, welcome. I, I know for our Anamnesis season, the last time we did a solo role-playing game on this show, you kind of came in as kind of the passive player. Like, I kind of played the active player, and you kind of played a voice to play off of. Mm-hmm. Other than that experience, I don't think you've ever played a solo TTRPG before. Am I right? No, I haven't. Um, I find the concept... In ge- like when I first learned about the concept in general, I thought it was fascinating and so cool. But outside of, yeah, kind of watching you play Anamnesis, I have not gotten to do it myself yet. 
This will be very fun. So, I mean, the first question, you you both know this very well, being <laughs> veterans of this very show. But the first thing we want to do before we kind of dive into what the game is, how we play it, and how we make a good game is, what are you, Abby, most nervous about going mm-hmm. into this game? Or what, what do you feel least comfortable with compared to other types of games? I think the thing that is both exciting and nerve-wracking about it is the aspect that it's solo, it's individual of, I think that I'm a person who thrives creatively when I have people that I can bounce off of um, mm-hmm. and that you feel kind of the energy of the room. That's why I don't do well with working from home. <laughs> mm-hmm. That and the cats. That and the cats, yeah. I'm the biggest pushover <laughs> in the world with the cats specifically. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even necessarily call it nervous. I'm just like interested to see how I do of like, I don't want to get too much in my own head, but I also want it to be fun and interesting of just sort of leaning on just myself with, which I also think in a normal context, if you're playing a solo game that like, it's only for you. Mm. So as long as I think it's interesting and fun, it doesn't matter. And this has a slightly uh, different twist in that I'm also hoping that all of our listeners find it <laughs> interesting and fun. I hope our tastes match up. And you will have a little bit of help in that the same way that you were kind of the passive player for mm-hmm. me, I'll kind of be your second voice should you ever want something uh, in this game. Because we are kind of adapting a solo game for a audio medium we will have a bit of back and forth in any scene that you think would be worthwhile to have a second character. Yeah. So we got the training wheels on. production specifics. Yeah. yeah. We got the training yeah. wheels on. <laughs> so we'll see how we kind of make this immersive, improvised audio drama. But before we get into any of that, Elliot, can you take me... I know this story quite... Actually, you know what? I don't know if I fully know this story now that I think about it. Where did the idea for this game come from? Like, what was the first seed of Project Echo? <sighs> it's a great... That's a great question because I don't know that I can identify like with abominations and chickens. I feel like there was like those like moments where the idea came and I just was like very obsessively like writing it. But this game was like a a nugget of an idea for a long time where it was just like I discovered solo role playing games. I picked up thousand year old vampire. I discovered Sam Lee's anamnesis and I just thought that it was, you know, I was thinking about like oh, like, I need to buy a journal to play these journaling games. And then something occurred to me of just like, oh, what if you, like, used a planner to play one of these games? Like, what would that add to it? And then it was just this little nugget of an idea of, like, a planner, journaling game, time travel. And that's what it existed as on this note on my phone that's just, like, one-line ideas that is full of bizarre shit as just, like, time travel planner game. And that's all it was for six or eight months. And then, Brian, where you come into the story is we at one point had coffee and I was kind of telling you about some ideas I was having. And that was an idea that I like threw out there as something I'm kind of interested in. But I kept saying like, oh, I don't know how I don't know how to crack the mechanic on it. I don't know how you mechanically are going to move through this. I was like, is it like a D12 months? Like there was like there were all these like random things that I thought might work, you know, 52 cards, 52 weeks, blah, 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 blah. Couldn't figure it out for the longest time, so it just existed. And then we talked about it. You really responded to the idea, so I got more serious about figuring it out. And then the aha moment of the game that led it to actually becoming a game was different mechanics within the game being the different devices. And that's when Mm -hmm. it finally became 
like, oh, this is an idea that I can actually see through and I can make. It's not just going to live as this note. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into those devices and the actual like mechanics of how you travel through time, I think it's, it's worthwhile to take a step back and look at how does this game end? Like, mm. what is the ultimate goal? So there are two possible directions the game can go, and you track these via a clock. Um, for folks who've played games like Blades in the Dark, you'll recognize something that a lot of tabletop designers really love, the clock. And you have a clock on your character sheet. It has six little slices on either side. One side is for tracking your encounters with the entity, which is the object of your mission. You are tracking the entity. This is what you've been assigned to do. This is if you are fully in line with the agency's motivations, this is your primary goal. But on the other side of the clock, you have six pie slices to track your encounters with the agency, with your employer, the one who sent you on this mission, because throughout the game, you might encounter returns to the agency headquarters as well. And if you reach six in that side first, then that takes you in a different endgame path. And within those two endgame paths, entity and agency, there are three potential final prompts for each that are dependent on your coin, which is a whole other mechanic, which this is like, when you start to <laughs> explain this game in audio, I'm like, man, what a convoluted shit show this game is. But when you got it in front of you on paper, it's a little easier to follow. But Abby, you're really, you're digging into a, a beefy one uh, for your first, first solo game. I feel like game. that's so true of like, so many games, though, yeah. of like when you first start, I saw some some tweet online that I thought was really funny. Of It was within the debate of like, is 5e uh, Dungeons and Dragons actually that easy to learn right. and accessible? Or is it just that there's tons of resources and somebody was like, you know, you all lying to me, like filling out your character sheet doesn't feel the same as filling out your tax forms. <laughs> and I was like, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, it gets involved. And so I feel like this is just, it's one of those where you try to look at it all at once. Yeah. You're like, yeah, this is a lot. Right. But if you, once you're like playing, you only need to do one thing at a time. And so it's fine. Yeah. And it builds on itself. The game, the game yeah. gradually builds on itself. You, you only start with one device. You only start with so much information and, and it's sort of a game that's meant to be explored as you experience it. Mm -hmm. Or you can try and read the whole thing and then play, but then your brain might get <laughs> a little mushy. I feel like that's not even, that's not my, like, even if I attempt to do that, I feel like my brain won't necessarily hold on to all of it. Right. Knowing that I'm going to play it and have to relearn it anyway, my brain's like, yeah, you'll figure it out later, girl. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't try to do, don't try to do this to us right now. <laughs> This game does have very much a vibe of legacy mm. games, like, you know, Risk Legacy or, or Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, where things are unlocked as you keep right. playing. Because in this game, you only start with your coin and your first device, which is the watch. And then as you play and as you move through time and as you complete more and more prompts and stuff, then you slowly gain access to additional ways to travel through time, which give you more or less control depending on the, the device and also have more or less consequences depending on the device. And so I think there's a really fun aspect of discovery. Like I, I would honestly advise as, as someone who's like very familiar with this game, having done the layout, having done 10 plus versions of the layout, if you go into it only with the, the knowledge that comes in the first couple of pages, like the introductions and the, the first, the information around the first device, it is a very fun experience to like, 
continually find new devices as you are traveling through this game and like slowly unlocking new sections. Like a little treat each time. It's an interesting thought because I was recently thinking about something I want to like write about the game, like in terms of maybe an article in the newsletter or or maybe just like a tweet thread or something. Um, And without getting into it in case I do write it. But my thought was, (laughs) are spoilers a thing in this game in, in what I was thinking about writing about? And I think that Yes, like it's kind of like yes asterisk, like to get the most immersive experience, I guess I would say, like I wouldn't read the entity encounters, I wouldn't read the agency encounters, and I wouldn't read the end game section at all before mm-hmm. you play. I mean, if you want to skim through the devices like and read those prompts, like that won't be as quote unquote spoilery, but like if you want that like, ooh, what kind of experience, then you know, avoiding those big sections, I think. Yeah, it kind of it kind of is spoilery, and you could get more out of it by avoiding them. And I think, luckily, Abby, I don't think you've read through the entirety, like, towards the end. I think you've only looked at the, the first part. So this week, we'll actually kind of be playing in that Yeah, in that it's funny because with, with Brian doing the layout, I have seen pretty much every page, but haven't read basically any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was very much like a, do, do you like using this color gray here, shade of gray, or do you... Like, should I move this into two different pages? Does it look too cluttered? Should the font size be bigger? But so it was like all visual, like looking at a piece of art and not like reading it. So I've seen a lot of these pages and they look incredibly cool. Just shapes. Not a clue. There's no context. Yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> Not, no idea. I haven't, I think I've read maybe the first couple of pages or or, or certain things. Uh, one or two devices I think I read a little bit of, but. Yeah, I'm going to get that spoiler-free experience. Woo-hoo. No spoilers. I love a spoiler. No spoilers is like oh, the yeah. motto of our house. No, it's your motto. It's my, it's, it's true. It's Brian my motto. thinks everything is a spot, is a spoiler. Everything kind of is a spoiler. Like if you say anything about a piece of art, it is in some way a spoiler. Like sometimes I truly want to go into something knowing nothing. That's why that's I've had some of my best like media experiences when I came in not knowing anything and oh, got yeah. totally blown away. Like I, I feel sad that I will never get the experience of sitting down for a game of 10 candles and not knowing mm. how that's going to like go. I mean, every you know from the start, like you have a consensual conversation about everybody dying, but not. Not knowing yeah. the game so inside and out, I think, uh, is, is a, I have a sadness that I will never get that. I broke my heart the other day when Brian told me he'd never watched My Cousin Vinny, but knows, like, the scene. And I was like, no, because watching it when you don't know what's coming is just so glorious. Yes, that, like, no spoilers. Brian, how have you don't not seen yeah. My Cousin Vinny? Uh, for our audio-only audience, I just had my mouth agape for half the time Abby was talking, because <laughs> Brian's a movie guy. You know, everyone's, everyone's know, got their weird little that's gaps, fair. and that's one of my that's one of my. You weird are such gaps. a movie guy, and every once in a while, there are specific... Like, like you love rom-coms, and you've never seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Brian. It's um, <laughs> true. <laughs> Elliot's Brian. just shaking his head. There's like very funny little gaps of things where it's such a surprise to me when I learned where I'm like, what do you mean you don't you haven't? I think a lot of those. Uh, I think a lot of my gaps come from like the people who first evangelized them to me. I didn't (laughs) like, so I do remember the first person who was like obsessed with my big fat Greek wedding. I was just like, have uh, you seen when Harry met Sally? Can't be that good. 
Okay. Oh, I love when Harry met See, Sally. See, this is why, because I feel like I knew that about you, and like those two movies exist in this same like ethereal cloud in my brain. Uh, as as oh, that's so for me, funny. It's, for me, it's when Harry met Sally, and you've got me. Oh yeah, that too uh, for sure. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> back to project. <laughs> this is not the dice pool. We have to remember. <laughs> This is not the dice pool. If you're wondering what the dice pool is, that's our Patreon, everybody. Head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod. And for just five bucks a month, you can get additional actual plays and extended uh, episode talkbacks for all of our actual play episodes. But with that uh, minor self-promotion out of the way, so we've kind of talked about that this game has a lot in it. And there's like a lot of like kind of spoilery, quote unquote, asterisk marks stuff towards the end. But let's talk about Abby's going to be opening mm. the book. She's going to be making cracking the character. That spine. Cracking that spine. Playing for the first time. Let's go through the very brief process of character creation and then talk through what you start this game with and what, what you need to know from the very beginning. And then the rest, people can kind of discover on their own as they play the game. And just for reference, the character sheet fits on fits very neatly and snugly on a bookmark. It's uh my maybe my favorite part of the game that the character sheet fits on a little bookmark. I just ordered them so a couple days ago. Five hundred of them come so to my house, cute. and I'm just gonna swim in them anyway. Um, so Aww. character creation. Before you get started playing, you make your agent. Um, and character creation is just about a half page long. And the thinking behind this simplistic character creation is that this is a game in which you are doing a lot of character discovery as you play. So you'll see that on this page, when you go to create your agent, there are five things you know. One is you are agent blank. Um, so you choose an agent number. And an agent number is either the real world current date, if you can't think of a date, or a date that you like, uh, that you're feeling in the moment, written out as uh, MMDD for our U.S. folks or DDMM for our European folks. The second thing you know is that you work for the agency you have for some time. You are highly trained and have prepared for this exact sort of mission, and you have no memory of life before working for the agency. The third thing you know is that you have a coin in your pocket. Feels familiar. This is your coin, your last defense against the instability of time travel. Don't lose it. We'll get into that a little bit more. The fourth thing you know is that there's a package waiting for you. You arrive after your first jump knowing exactly where it is. It is conspicuously placed, but hidden to all but those trained by the agency, which is sort of up to your interpretation. And then the fifth thing is you know your goal. Track the entity, document its effects on time and space, and should you figure out how, save time itself. And you'll notice that the only choice thing in that list of five is your agency number. Everything else is just a little bit of info about what you know to start. So uh, I guess Abby... <laughs> is there a particular date that speaks to you as um as what you would make your your agent number? Um well I was going to say you could just pick today's date but actually I think it would be somewhat funny to pick tomorrow's date because then it would be agent 0707. Mm. <laughs> it's double 07. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. Man. That's good. Which is just like really convenient Double for the sake of comedy that is Fuck good me. um it is also fun fact uh my girlfriend claire's birthday tomorrow ah happy birthday claire uh so okay agent 007, 007. 0707 <laughs> uh 
Fuck it. It's so it's good. good. I can't I can't deny mm-hmm. that it's good. <laughs> I was like, even if I go with my birthday, double zero one two three is also fun. But when you just have the opportunity to be 007, why wouldn't you want to be? So so we've got Agent 007. Agent 007. Also, the character sheet, well, for physical purchasers of the game, you can get the physical copy of the of the bookmarked character sheet. But also, the back of the book, the very last page, has a picture of the character sheet. And you can pretty, it's a pretty simple layout that you could copy onto, you know, a small piece of paper and fold it as oh, a yeah. bookmark or just copy the necessary things. Really, there's five things. On the character sheet, your agent number, whether you have your coin or not, your inventory, your end game tracker, and then a big notes section on the back. So print if you have a printer that you like, but you can also just uh, make one out of a sheet of paper, which is what uh, some of the playtesters did, which was great. Cool. So we have Agent 007. We know what she knows. What is in the starting inventory for someone who is playing this game? So... You will have the first thing you'll have, which isn't in the inventory section of your your character sheet because it has its own section, is your coin. You'll have a little circle on your character sheet where you can keep your coin placed on it to show yourself that you currently have it in game. Um, And I'll read you what uh, the game tells you about your coin. Every agent has a coin. The humble coin serves as a final defense against timeline divergence, referred to commonly among agents as the time storm or simply time hell. And so the coin is this in fiction thing that every agent carries in order to protect themselves against what the game calls timeline divergence. The idea being that at various points in the act of time traveling, you will face moments where two timelines split in front of you. And the only way to stabilize that into one is to flip your coin, heads or tails, and decide which timeline is real. Without your coin, you essentially get sucked into the crack between those two uh, timelines and experience timeline divergence. So this is a like standard thing all agents carry. You know, this isn't canon in the text, but I like to imagine that everybody has like a different sort of coin that's like very personal to them, sort of like a Hitchhiker's Guide towel situation. <laughs> And and so how does this come into play in the game is that throughout the prompts that you face in the game, there will be some prompts that have options labeled H or T, heads or tails. And when you face a prompt like that, if you have your coin, you'll give it a flip, whichever the choice is, that's the prompt you answer on that date. But then there's also a third option on all those prompts, which is lost coin, in which you experience timeline divergence. It's its own special event with prompts. That will happen throughout play based on certain prompts that tell you that you lose your coin. And that's sort of a random, you know, luck of the draw. You might encounter a prompt where you lose your coin, and that could happen in a variety of different ways. That's the first thing that you start with, is you start with your coin. Can you regain your coin? Can you find your coin? Every time you have a lost coin and then you experience timeline divergence, when you come out of timeline divergence, you always have your coin back in your pocket. Got it. So it's like you, you answer the special event prompt, timeline divergence, which is its own rollable table, and when you come back, you have it back, is the idea. Okay. The other thing you start with in your inventory is the first of our seven time travel devices, which is the watch. So the watch is the, the first device you have in your inventory powered by a, a single six-sided dice. When you begin traveling in the planner, you will use the watch as it's the only device available to you. 
And to do that, you roll that six-sided dice, you get a result. So let's say you roll, you get a three. You can then take that three and modify the current month or day, either adding or subtracting, in order to travel to a new resultant date. So let's say you start playing this game. Well, I know you're playing this game on the, the 8th of July. Mm-hmm. So if you roll the three... And you're like, oh, I think I want to make a big jump for my first jump. You could subtract three from the month and get 0408, April 8th. Okay. So then you would flip through your planner from your starting date, which would be July 8th, to April 8th. And then you would take that three and you would match it to the list of prompts on the watch pages. And that prompt is, there lies a victim surrounded by loved ones. What about them has been changed, taken, or controlled? And you would respond mm. to that prompt on that first date, and then you would keep using the watch until you discover a new device, and then you would carry on traveling with whichever device you wanted from your inventory from that point on. Very cool. And for instance, within the possible prompts for the watch, if you roll a four, the prompt is, there is a device, a new way to travel through time, flip to device discovery on page 20, and roll for a new device. So you're always going to be like slowly accumulating these additional ways to travel, which all have their own positives and negatives as you get some of them are like more powerful agency devices and some of them maybe coming from less reputable sources. Yeah, there's roughly in any given device, I think a, I haven't done crunch the numbers, but like a 10 to 20 percent chance that you discover a new device using that device until you get to some of the weirder devices towards the end. But uh we won't. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. So, Elliot, for this game, you're starting out with your character sheet, whether that is the bookmark that comes with the physical game or just a piece of paper you've set to the side. You're starting out with a coin that you can flip or like a coin flipping app, at least. One six-sided die or some way to randomize one D6. As you unlock more uh, devices, and we'll kind of leave a bit of that mystery here so you can discover them on your own, what other items, uh, physical items, might you need to play this game? So as you play, and I think it's important to note that like you could choose to play without any of these additional devices. There's a world where you could play through this game just using the watch. It won't be as interesting because there's only six <laughs> potential prompts, but you have everything you need to get to the end of the story with one, two, three devices. So if you don't have any of the following tools, like, you know, you can hold off on one, but I do recommend playing with the full set. That being said, as you play, you will discover that there are devices that need some additional play tools that are familiar to fans of TTRPGs, fans of board games. Um, You'll need an additional six-sided dice for a couple more agency-style devices, which you'll see. You'll need a deck of playing cards, with the Jokers removed, a standard set of playing cards for a device called the Season Shuffler. You will need a deck of tarot cards, which is for a device called the Temporal Spread, which is written by our friend and yours, Samantha Lee, who absolutely crushed the prompts for that device. So definitely hang out in that one. You'll need an additional coin for a little funky device towards the end. And then you'll also need a way to destroy the pages of your planner. And that might be thick black marker or a pair of scissors or fire. <laughs> fire. And those are just some of the ways. Those are actually all of the ways that you will continue to travel through time as you discover new devices. 
And if you don't happen to have any of these things on you, there are great online tools for each of these things to draw cards, to draw tarot cards, to randomize. Oh, there's tarot stuff too. Discovered thanks to Bojack Norseman in our Discord who asked me for a digital tarot solution. So then I was able to find um, a great little playingcards.io setup for for tarot cards. So um, if you want to grab that link, you can come check out our Discord. Or if you harass me on Twitter, I'll send it to you. And we'll uh, try to put it in our show notes ah, as well below. Ah, that's the place where it should go. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s are over. And you're not kids anymore. Now is a much darker time. Something happened to you and you got touched by the weird. And it made you wild. And it made you powerful. This is the world of The Lost Bay, a suburban gothic RPG. A fever dream set in 1990X and inspired in equal parts by dark fantasy, horror classics, and the 90s indie culture. After years of development, and thanks to the feedback and support of a community of early enthusiasts, The Lost Bay is coming to Kickstarter, featuring a full rulebook and complete setting designed by Eco. Kick-Ass Art by Evangeline Gallagher, Killer Maps by Strega Wolf Vandenberg, and six additional modules by some of the coolest designers in the indie scene. So go to thelostbayrpg.com to be notified on launch. That's thelostbayrpg.com. So we know now... We've created uh, Agent 007, <laughs> We know that she's starting with a coin. She's starting with uh, the watch, which is a very simple time travel device in this game. We've talked a little bit about what happens when you lose your coin or when you encounter timeline divergence, which is a separate roll table on uh, within the game that you may have to face some more interesting prompts. There is also a portion of this game where you may lose some dates. You may have to destroy some aspects of time. Can you talk about... Uh, the consumption of time in this game. Yeah, so kind of going back to the premise of the game is you're tracking down, you've been assigned to track down this entity that the agency has dubbed the Entity of Chronological Consumption and Obfuscation, or ECHO. That's where the that's where the game gets its name. Oh my god, it's the name of the game! He said the, said the thing! He said the thing. There it is, the dune. And so the idea is that this entity is actively consuming time itself. And so the the premise being that you are traveling within the year specifically of this planner because this is one of the only not fully consumed years left. So on either side of it, the imagine is that the dates have already been consumed. But as you're traveling through the planner, dates will also get consumed as you're playing. And so how do you signify a consumed date? This is kind of up to you. The game makes a couple suggestions. You might get a big, thick black Sharpie and just scribble out a date to indicate it's consumed. You might write consumed. You might draw a scary picture if you're artistically inclined. Or you might rip or tear or burn the page if you're feeling especially crazy. I can't recommend lighting your planner on fire, but you do you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not officially recommending that, but... I'm not officially, but it it would be dope. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So how does this continue to happen as you play? There's a few different ways that that happens. One of which is that you can play with this optional rule 
of setting a timer while you play. And every real world hour, you roll 2d6, and that many dates have been consumed. You also have to consume dates every time you get to an entity encounter. You also have to consume dates every time you use the device, the bell. And uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. So there's a number of events throughout the game that will tell you to consume dates and then do you will do that action of scribbling it out, tearing it out, burning it out. What dates should I consume when told to consume dates? I hear you asking. Hey, Elliot, what dates should I consume when told to consume dates? <laughs> oh, my God. What a great question. Um, so it just popped into my head. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> So this is this is fun because this is your opportunity to sort of step into the cosmic shoes of the entity that you are tracking and think about, like, if you are this all consuming being, what dates are you going to eat? Do you want to do you want to go from both ends? Do you want to eat like from January 1st, eat from December 31st? Do you want to just flip to random pages and eat? Do you want to eat? dates around near where the agent is? Do you want to create that feeling of closing in? It's sort of like the only time in the game that you shift perspective a little bit outside of your agent um, is is when you are choosing what dates to So do to you recommend that I have a method to the madness of consuming dates? Or is there, like, would it be a viable option to kind of roll a, a like, 12-sided die to get the month and then and pick then a random? Like, do full chaos random? I think when I played, one of the times I played in testing, I went for just fully random and I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that then like with fully random, then when I was traveling later, I might see them as I'm going through. Whereas if you do like the ends of the year, you might make your way to the ends of the year, but like it's also not necessarily likely depending on where you start. Okay. I also played when I was playing it, I played like random dates. I would, I would just Sharpie out or I would scribble out with a pen and it was fun, like as you're flipping back and forth, like literally passing over top of like consumed. Oh, there's cool. even like there's even some fiction to be had from that. Like you know, you're time traveling through, and all of a sudden, like you're encountering turbulence or right. something as you're going through empty pockets. You get a of lot time. of choice in how you time travel with a lot of the devices, but there are some circumstances where you might end up on there's only one option of the date that you can travel mm-hmm. to, and if you are traveling to a consumed date that does also lead to timeline divergence. The idea being that you go to land on a date. So if you have those sort of randomly scattered throughout as you are consuming them, there's more kind of hazards, that that sort of feeling. Okay, cool. And you could consume dates you've already written in, but you know, generally I feel like people don't want to lose the, the stuff they've written unless there are cer- certain situations where it specifically tells you to do so. But you could also be destroying dates that you're traveling in um, if you want to just like feel like it's chasing you. It, there's a, It's sort of... Uh, choose your own adventure. That is a fun idea of having it chase you. That is kooky. I dig it. So there are a bunch of prompts for the various devices. There's prompts for timeline divergence. There's prompts for agency headquarters. But a thing you'll also encounter in any planner or any kind of calendar, regardless of, of where you are in the world, every planner always has like important, significant dates already pre-assigned. And this game also takes that into account. Can you talk about the special events and the dates of significance in this game? Yeah. Um, So the special events, like you mentioned, we've already talked about three of them. We've talked about timeline divergence, agency headquarters, and entity encounters. The fourth kind of special event is, is sort of what I call in the game like supplementary prompts. And so the dates of significance take some common holidays as well as some dates that are specific to the game, some which were inspired by our backers who backed at a certain level. 
And the idea being that, like, if you buy a planner and it's got, so the most recent one is is July 4th, right? Independence Day. Mm-hmm. So if you buy a planner in the U.S., you're likely to have on July 4th a little line that says Independence Day. And what the dates of significance in this game endeavor to do is make those days have some extra meaning and have some supplementary effect on how you respond to a prompt on that day. So for the July 4th, which is maybe the first one you would encounter traveling around this time, it says, incorporate one of the following words into your response, explosion, empire, or hot dog. Um, And so (laughs) most of the holidays on this list are that kind of direction where it's like, here's three words, try and incorporate one of them into your writing, just like a very subtle supplementary. Some of them get a little funkier in how they modify how you're traveling. On the list of defined dates of significance, there are a number of like common U.S. holidays, uh, holidays that are common to me as the writer. There's also space for defining your own holidays uh, if you come from a different country or culture and you want to define some of your own holidays. But in addition, there are also a few dates in here that are specific to the game, either specific to the fiction of the game or specific to the game because of uh, a tier that some of our backers were able to support us at, uh, one of which uh, led to my personal favorite date of significance, which is Mike's 60th birthday surprise party on April 11th, which just tells you you find yourself stopping by, seeing signs of, or being invited to Mike's 60th birthday surprise party, in addition to your other experiences on this day. So you might be tracking some extra-dimensional beings, but you better also include in your prompt that you got an invite to Mike's party. So and this one's my particular favorite because Mike is my father. That's Brian's dad. That's my dad. <laughs> uh, so, Dad, if you're listening, uh, happy belated birthday. I was going to tell you on your birthday, I decided to wait until the physical book was out. Somebody belated birthday is getting a shout out in this. That's actually true. That's <laughs> in this episode. It's weird that it happened a lot of twice. Birthdays. Mm-hmm. Third time's a charm. So, Agent 007 slash Abby, what's also in this section is your dates of significance, which gives you a chance to define your own answers to some of these sort of prompted dates. And then also, if you want to either add or create additional holidays, there's space in the book for six of them, as well as rules for if you wanted to define more than six. But we can go through sort of the four define ones first, if you want to do that right here yeah. on mic. Sounds good. So the first one is your initiation day, um, which is the date of your agent's moniker. So that's July 7th. July 7th. So when you when you get the game and it tells you to do this in the intro, it will direct you to kind of these pages to make sure that your planner is set up with all the dates mm-hmm. of significance if you want to play with them. So you would go into your planner on July 7th and write initiation day so that you know when you if you travel back to that day that you experience that. Um, the supplementary prompt for initiation day is if you've discovered your name, you forget it on this day. Otherwise you forget one other piece of your identity you have discovered, which hints at a little bit of something that you might discover as you go through, uh, which is your name and pieces of your identity, um, which is another sort of thread going through this game. The second one is a birthday. Um, so this can be any birthday that you want to, you want to add into the dates of significance. It could be your birthday. It could be someone important to you. Let's let's just go full selfish and do my birthday. Oh, one, two, three. Oh, one, two, three. Um, <laughs> it's a great birthday. Um, it's a great birthday. I think I've only ever met two other people in my whole life with that same birthday. Good one. 
Is it government? No notes. No notes. So the birthday (laughs) acts like a holiday in the prompt where it says incorporate one of the following words into your response, wish, birth, flame. So you would note that in your planner as well for if you interact that. And then these Mm -hmm. last two I like a lot. These are my personal favorite defining your own days of significance. They are a day you want to remember and a day you want to forget. And they are opposite in this way where a day you want to remember you assign in fiction some reason that that day cannot be consumed by the entity. You don't really need to de- get into fic- in fiction why it is, but there that that becomes canon and fact of your playthrough that that day cannot be destroyed. It is far too important. A day you want to forget is a day that is already consumed before you start playing. So you can go find that date in your planner and you mm. can scribble the shit out of it. You can burn it. You can cut it out. <laughs> So are there is there a day you want to remember and a day you want to forget and you don't need to tell us why if you don't want to? I think I'm going to for a day you want to remember, I'm I'm going to get real sentimental with it and do what will be our wedding anniversary. Aww. <laughs> Aww. We'll be cute. Which and in case this the previous comment to this doesn't make it into the episode, the best thing about uh, getting married to you is that your birth. This isn't the best thing. This is the most convenient thing. The most convenient thing about getting married is that your birthday is one, two, three, and our wedding anniversary will be four, five. So I will never forget either of those things, and it'll be really bad if I ever do. At some point, we're gonna have to do something on on June seventh. Yeah, True. we'll find something else for six, seven. <laughs> cool. So oh four, oh five. That date. Mark it in your planner. Cannot be consumed. Cannot be consumed. The power of love. <laughs> the power of love compels you. The power of love compels you. Um, do you have a day you want to forget? Day you want to forget. The the practical part of me wants to go, because I, I have an old planner that I started using as a journal and then abandoned and we'll be using that to play the game. And so part of me just kind of wants to be like, what days did I already fill in? And then I could just black them out because like there's no space to write <laughs> There anyway, sure. But I for I want to come up with something that's like more fun. Um, a day you want to forget. You know, what we could do for some fun symmetry, because I actually can never remember what day our dating anniversary. <laughs> I never know. I always forget what it is. It's it's September something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's uh-huh. uh, you know what? Speaking of birthdays. It's our friend Caitlin's birthday. So now you're offending uh-huh. two people by forgetting right now. And what and what day is that, <laughs> Abigail? I don't know. At the, at the 18th? September 18th? Is that September. your final answer? It, it is not. It is. Do you, yeah. you want to just destroy a collection of dates around that area? I'm just gonna, yeah, we're just going to block out a bunch. Just block out that week? I'm going to go with September 18th. And and it's going to be, yeah, fun, sort of ironic. I don't actually know if that's the correct day. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. Brian? That works. That is the correct Yay! day. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we now have your initiation day, which is 7-7, your A birthday, which is your birthday, 123, a day you want to remember, 405 and a day you want to forget 918 or is it just the day you tend to forget who knows <laughs> and then are there any holidays not included on the list that i shared because i put a smattering of holidays that mm-hmm. i know and think about but are there any additional holidays that that you'd want to you'd want to add into your play you've already got thanksgiving which is my favorite holiday 
And you'll notice that the prompt for Thanksgiving is incorporate food into your response on this day because that is the central figure of Thanksgiving in my mind. That's the entire reason that it's my favorite holiday is my mom is a phenomenal cook and Thanksgiving foods are some of my absolute favorite foods. So that's why it's my fave. Additional holidays. I feel like I could do some of my like family members' birthdays. Mm. The only date that popped into my head was 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 really sad and like capitalistic and that it's the, the my work anniversary of like the mm. day I was hired at, at the place that I work, which I feel like feels very, as I say, capitalism. But I I, <laughs> I just know it very well. Because <laughs> that's uh that's an important day in a in a work environment. Is. Yeah. I just want to be very, very clear right now. You very clearly remember mm-hmm. your work anniversary, <laughs> mm-hmm. but our dating anniversary uh-huh. was uh, a, was anyway. You can the, you the can most of your define answer, additional holidays <laughs> off, Mike. Um. Most of your answer was a pause. And yeah, so we'll we'll define some additional answers off, Mike. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really great. Oh, Miss Halloween in here? We could do some Halloween. Oh, Hallow- yes, Halloween's. You think you think I wouldn't put Halloween in? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? I also have to say, I really love that Friday the thirteenth, just in general, any Friday the thirteenth is in there because I love Friday the thirteenth. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. If Friday the thirteenth wasn't already like an additional holiday, I for sure would have added that as as one of my like bonus ones. Oh, hell yeah. But what's the prompt for it? The the prompt oh the prompt for it. Um Friday the 13th is inexplicable occurrences of the number 13 show up on this day, which really the dates of significance you can see several ideas that I probably had for the rest of this game that that I just wanted to like that I just these were all my like fun extra ideas are the dates of significance and also some cool Where now the players inspired get to, days from, to do from it. folks. Yeah. Mhm. We love getting all of our little our little gems and Easter eggs into a game. Yeah. So so obviously, if you're following how many prompts are in this game, there's over 200 prompts in this game. And normally it's played out over five or six, one to two hour sessions. It's kind of like the median playtime you've found while you're playtesting this. We're probably not in our actual play going to get to the, like the full end of a game, as in like either doing six agency encounters or six entity encounters. So just so you know what to expect, for our actual play, we're going to kind of play through until we come to some kind of like good stopping place and then kind of leave a ellipses for this character. So we likely won't get to the end of, of this character's story, but we will find the end of a chapter. You don't want to just do 16 hours of, of play and recording? Let me be very clear. I'm not saying we won't complete the story. I'm saying we won't complete the story for this season, but there may be some additional stuff coming down the road because, after all, this is a game of time travel, and an episode of this could pop up at any time. Ooh, you ah. to sneak? It's right of committing to this, yeah. committing this <laughs> bit right now. The stone. And I think that's going to be great. I think that it'll be it'll be fun for me to hear a session treated as an arc, mm-hmm. like really get to wrap my head around like a session of this game because. I mean, that is like the median playtime, like through playtesting. But, you know, when I played it, I sat down for much longer than that. Um, and because uh, I was obsessive. Actually, I have a question kind of about playtime mm. um, with each of the prompts. Is there a suggested like length of how much you should write or or how much you should like create within each prompt? 
Is it like a couple of sentences or is it really just open-ended for if you will really want to take it and run with it? Like go ham. Yeah. I mean, no, there's not a recommended. And I would say that the reason why is that there's like a, there's a variety of ways you could approach this, right? Like there's the way that you're going to be playing on, on Saturday where you'll have sort of this second voice to bounce it off. So you probably won't be doing, you'll be doing like kind of maybe like more like short writings to like, Mm-hmm. remind yourself of what's happening but that's also like a perfectly valid way to play alone like if you just if you're playing for the active experience and you don't care that much about reading it back later you could jot quick bullets down as if you're the agent just like getting quick notes down while all this crazy shit is happening you can choose to write in their voice you can choose to write as a narrator describing what's happening to them amount of writing is going to be largely dependent on the kind of planner you're using like straight up yeah. I think that if you wanted to really get into like, I want to write like little chapters about this stuff or like multiple paragraphs, then you'd want to get like a 365 day planner, which would be dope. Right. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I would I would love it if somebody did that. But like the game recommends and I recommend a week planner because it gives you this nice middling amount depending on your handwriting size. And the game also tells you if you feel like your agent would stay somewhere for more than one day, you can carry over the story of the prompt you're responding to into another day. Um, okay. If you'd like to. Nice. Okay. And I know for when I played it, I basically limited myself to whatever I could fit in the days, like space in the space for that day. So like it would end up being sentences, but like kind of, uh, kind of uh, internet speak of like sentences kind of without verbs sometimes. More kind of like a, a quick note. Yeah, very much. Very, very sparse. Very Hemingway. You know what I mean? Oh, you were like Hemingway? I was channeling yeah, Hemingway. Yeah. I was very much like yeah. Hemingway. Terse. Terse, you But my dream, my dream playthrough, my dream playthrough of this game, personally, and at some point I'll do this, is to play on a desk-sized calendar that you'd find in like oh my a calendar lawyer's office and draw instead of write. That is like my, my dream. That is my dream extremely fun. That is a fun idea to like draw illustrations in each box rather than oh yeah doing anything that's actually in the official project echo planner because i want to play that way one of the tips in the opening page is drawing is as valid as writing because my hope is that somebody plays that putting it out into the world someone (laughs) put it out into the world all illustrations and then send me the pictures and i will gush yeah so we're very much nearing the end of this conversation about getting started with project echo and abby we started this conversation by talking about what you were most nervous about or what was least familiar to you do any of those worries still hold or uh have any new ones cropped up or any new confusions cropped up as we've talked more about this game no i think if anything i'm just like very eager and excited to to honestly the conversation around like spoilers and no spoilers is i'm like i want to know i want to mm. know what the devices are i want to know the things i want to know the prompts so I'm very eager and excited to just like dive in and, and and have more of those. I think I am still a little bit nervous about, again, that solo aspect of, of that so much of my creative energy, I think, comes from collaboration. But it was also encouraging, um, Elliot, you saying of, of that, like there's kind of no wrong way to take notes and to fill out these prompts right. of if I want to do it in like a third person bullet point situation that that's fine um and that similar to anamnesis i feel like it's it's when you start out of course you don't know anything literally all i know is my name and i have a coin and we will figure it out as we go and and that that is the the joy of it so 
I'm honestly super pumped. Hell yeah. <laughs> I will say after having played Anamnesis and also feeling similarly to you that I believe myself to be a better collaborator mm-hmm. than like solo act, having an, an extra person to bounce off of was extremely helpful. But also like the prompts and the the tools that are given to you in this game and in Anamnesis and other solo tabletop role-playing games are so potent like they give you so much to work with with very few words which is really like the joy and the the magic of these types of games is that they're just kind of idea and well, yeah i mean like that's the, the point of them right of like you're supposed to be playing it alone yeah. and that the the prompts and the structure and the artwork and just the whole game is is giving you everything that you need to inspire and and feel that sort of you're collaborating with the paper. Is that stupid? I think it was like uh, Sam was talking about this in the anamnesis interview about how some people will talk about solo role playing games and be like, well, it's not a game. It's a writing exercise. And Sam said something to the effect of like, yeah, probably. But I'm not really concerned with whether it's a game or a writing exercise. Like, I'm, I, and I can't remember exactly what they said, but I it's like, yeah, maybe it's a writing exercise for you. Maybe it's a game for you. Like, mm-hmm. there's not not an invalid thing because it is a it is a solo experience. You know, you get to... No los dos? And ultimately, both those things are still states of play. Yeah. Abby, you're good? You feel good? You ready to, ready to travel through time? I do. Yeah, I am. And that is all for this episode of My First Dungeon, Project Echo. Next week, Abby will be entering the quickly dwindling time stream to see if she can stop the entity before the end of time itself. Before we go, Elliot, uh, can you tell us where we can find you, where we can find this game, and also shout out all the other great people who worked on it? Project Echo is a collaborative effort of five different people who are all incredible creators in their own right. Me, Samantha Lee of Anamnesis fame, who you can find at Goblin Mixtape on multiple platforms. Will Yopst, who is at Will underscore Yopst on Twitter, the, I, I feel comfortable saying, the best editor in the TTRPG game. You will find their name everywhere on every game. Go grab a, go grab a TTRPG off your shelf and tell me Will's name isn't in it. I bet, I bet you're wrong. <laughs> it's wild. It, it's one of those things, once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. Uh, so shout out Will. Will made this game so much better than it would have been without them. Um, and I'm so grateful to have had them on the team. Uh, of course, our layout designer, whose voice you hear all the time, Brian Flaherty, hey, made this game me. look freaking gorgeous, and uh, everybody is really enjoying the visuals of it, thanks to Brian. Um, and then the forthcoming, likely you're about to hear it in this episode, or you're hearing it, you heard it at the top of this episode, the original soundtrack from Behold, aka Colin McClutchy, dear friend, incredibly talented musician. Those are the folks who brought Project Echo Life. What a dream team. What a dream team. Uh, you can find me maybe still on Twitter at this point in, in time uh, at more bloobs. I'm at more blueberries <laughs> on Instagram and threads and I'm trying to get on blue sky and social media is a crap show. You can find my games at more blueberries.itch.io and I don't think itch.io is going anywhere. And you can now grab physical copies of Project Echo, the book or the planner bundle at Indie Press Revolution, IndiePressRevolution.com slash Xcart. You'll see it on the front page. Um, yeah, go check that out. Grab it. Support a really great store, Indie Press Revolution, and get your copy of the game. And you can find all those links big and bold down below in the show notes. Abby, do you want to tell people where they can find you and what you're working on? 
Yeah, I mean, you, for the most part, you can find me right here, baby. I'm doing all the things with uh, with my first dungeon. If you want to hear me get real weird with it, you can head on over to Sounds Funny Radio, an improv comedy podcast that is everywhere where you find podcasts. As Elliot said, Project Echo is available now in digital form at itch.io. You can find the link to buy the game in the show notes below. And if you like it or grab a community copy, be sure to leave a review and a rating. As people leave more reviews and ratings and comments, more community copies will be added to itch.io. Elliot, through the crowdfunder and through just his own generosity, put like 250 community copies out for free of this game and they've been completely depleted. Uh, I'm sure they've even probably been re-upped by the time this comes out. Uh, So please, the more you comment and like and rate the game, the more community copies get out there and the more people can grab this game, even if they can't afford it. And if you like this show and want to support even more great seasons, you should head on over to patreon.com slash myfirstdungeonpod and jump into the dice pool. Splash! Splash! (laughs) The dice pool. That is our Patreon tier where you get additional actual plays every single month featuring myself, Elliot, Abby, and Chinook to Sarah, and also extended talkbacks for each season of My First Dungeon, and also some, like, surprise treats whenever we're feeling spicy. Surprise! Spicy treats. If you want to support the show, that really is the best way to do it, and we really appreciate everyone who does. All of our little swimmers over in the Mm. dice pool. All of our little swimmers. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We're all going to hate that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This story isn't over. But time travel can be an unpredictable business. You'll hear from us again. Or maybe you already have. Bye bye. Whoa! Whoa! Go! If you're looking for more great gaming content from everyone here at Many Sided Media, you should consider subscribing to the 20 Sided Newsletter. It's a free, bi-monthly newsletter for people who love games, make games, and just love making games. To subscribe, just go to 20sidednewsletter.substack.com or follow the link in the show notes.